0: Good morning, Bridgeway Church. I wanted to say that so badly. Uh, Have you ever seen Extreme Makeover Home Edition? Good morning, Bridgeway family! Woo! (laughs) One thing about me uh, that you should know is I love time. I have practiced my sermon. I really timed out my sermon, so I know that I have extra time uh, than what this is going to take me to preach to you guys today. So I'm going to take some extra time today and offer up a mic to you guys uh, just to tell me maybe if you've seen anything happen in the last week or month where you've seen God uh, working in your life or in the life life of someone that you know. Uh, So if you want to raise your hand, I'll bring the mic to you and then uh, you can share how you see God working in your life. Certainly, he is at work. (laughs) Perfect.
1: Good morning. I certainly love that uh, God is just not um, up there managing all the big things, but that he manages the little things in our lives, too and he wants us to bring those things to him. This week, uh, Mona and Danae and I were uh, in Moose Jaw and looking for a place for, helping Danae look for a place to live when she moves there in the fall. And um, we went to a place and uh, we toured it and it's a little difficult because, you know, it's a busy place and Moose Jaw isn't really full of places for students to live. So um, we were done and we, got back and said, okay, let's go to Tim Hortons and have a little coffee and talk about what we saw there. And uh, in that moment, we were sort of saying, okay, so this is really, I'm the dad here, and I wish that she didn't have to move into a place like we just saw. And so there's a little protectiveness about me, because that's my job, right? And so um, I'm like, oh, I'm just not sure. And Danae was like, oh, I just want to find a place and get it done, and, and I understand all that. And so I said, you know what we need to do? I mean, these are problems that God can solve. And so we just stopped and in the patio out there while truck exhaust fumes were coming into us right there and, and we, were just, we just prayed and we just said, God, we don't know what to do here and we need to find a place and all of a sudden it's going to be August 28th and she's got to go to school and what do we do? And so we prayed. And sometimes, you know, God does something that's like, bam, here you go. You got this, and I'm going to solve all your problems. Ah, you know what? That doesn't really happen all that often for me. He's got to take another route. And by the time we were done that evening, uh, impromptu, we looked at three different places that were all totally different. It, it changed our perspective on what is available, helped us make dis- better decisions. And uh, Mona and I were driving home after that, and it was like, God is so good because he listens, And so I would encourage you, when you're like, ah, I don't know what to do, just stop. Just say, God, we don't know what to do. Help us out here. And so, uh, and then sort of be ready for whatever God wants to do, because maybe not is exactly what you want to do. So I would just like to thank God for that this week. He did some good things in our lives. And it's really important. I love hearing your stories about little things that God does. So, I mean, if you're itching to get up, you should.
0: Anybody else on how God's been working in your life or the life of someone close to you? I know I need to hear stories of how God is working uh, in our lives because my kids have been sick a lot the past two months and I've lost all my vacation time at work now. Uh, so I don't know how that's gonna work out but I need to work out better at trusting God to work that out Uh, so yeah I'm know I put it away but if you have a story raise your hand I will run it to you I will pause this sermon halfway in the middle (laughs) so we can hear more about what God is doing actively right here in our lives because he's working all right let's get started then oh yes (laughs) let's not start yet I'm
2: Lorraine, for those of you who don't know me. Uh, I am just constantly amazed at how God weaves threads together. Just takes, like Tony said, just all these things that are like minute sort of, you know, he's got gazillions of people to take care of and he takes care of each one of us. And um, just a couple of weeks ago, um, a couple of friends who are totally uh, unrelated to each other but who just really needed each other and I was able to put them together and how they were able to bless each other and uh, just through experiences, things that they've gone through. And just what a blessing it is that God puts these people into our lives. And we, yeah, sometimes we just have to tie the threads together.
0: Thank you. Before I get all the way back up on the stage, who else has something to share? Yes.
3: Hello, my name is Lois, and I, I'm from Regina. I'm a friend of Joyce's, but um, and so I wasn't going to say anything because I don't normally I don't come here, but when God blesses us, um, we just need to share that. When I was in Israel, um, we a month ago, we uh, there was a a fellow there that we were visiting. He was showing us around this. Uh, Building, uh, it was a Christian building. But anyway, he said uh, he had one. Um, he he wanted to bless somebody and wanted to pray for somebody who had somebody in their life who was going through a very tough time. And he looked at me, and I, um, I put my hand up then, and I said, "Okay, you can bless me." And he did, and uh, I. Um, Prayed for someone in my life who's been going through a very very difficult time and has sort of cut herself off from me and uh, This week I got a text from her and it was uh, As I prayed for her healing from her depression. I just really feel and I really know that God is working in that situation and uh, Thank you for letting me share that no problem.
0: Thank you for sharing Probably give time for one more if anyone else wants to share anything. Perfect. There
2: you go. Morning. As a <clears throat> excuse me. As a dryland farmer, we all really wish it would rain. We can't believe we're watching our crops go downhill again. And as of this week, I was driving around and and um, seeing some crops that were okay and seeing some that weren't and just wishing it would rain there's one part of our farm that is just really dry it's hardly had any rain and as i drove around i just asked god that that it could even just rain there a little bit and and if he would answer that prayer that i would tell people that he answered my prayer and friday night i came home from town and it was really raining up north and i'm like looking at the radar for the 10th time that day and as I get home, I see it blowing up a little bit west of our place. And this land is right west, seven miles west of our yard. And I get in the house for supper and start looking at the radar. And out of nowhere, pops up this, this purple part on the radar. And it rained there where there's water sitting in the trail. And it's not a, enough rain to finish it off, but my prayers were answered. And it'll hang on for another, another week. So I, just, I promised I would tell people, so here was
0: my chance. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sharing. It's always wonderful to hear everything that God is doing uh, in our lives. And if you didn't have anything to share, which I often don't ever share with these things, so thank you to the people who were better than me. Um, But it does challenge me all the time anyway just to to think and kind of reflect again on how is God working in your life anyway? Um, And maybe going forward in the week we can try try and pay attention to, to answered prayers or prayers that we're asking for. Um, look back on them and and see, okay, how did God respond to that? Was it a yes, and he gave it to you? Was it a no, and thanks anyway? It actually worked out better, God, uh, than what I was hoping. Or just, yeah, being aware of that. All right, uh, so last week, Pastor Don introduced us to the new series, uh, inviting us into a summer of parables. Uh, So today, we'll be looking at a parable and seeing what it means for us, how it impacts us, and how it affects our lives now. Parables are a literary device. It's a story that is also trying to communicate a lesson. Jesus used parables quite a bit during his time on earth. So let's take a look at the parable for today. Uh, We'll be in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 to 46. Uh, And the highlights are where the next slides are supposed to be. Thank you. Uh, So again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he found it, one of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you for the songs that we've been singing together, um, just praising your name and, and, and paying attention to who you are, uh, and, and wondering about what that means uh, for us. God, um, as I give this sermon today, I, w- I just ask that you would speak through me, uh, for I am just a man. Um, I make mistakes, and I prepped this sermon, but God, I hope pray that, you, that you would, your, words, your words would be spoken through me, and that I may step aside so that you're presented to all your sons and daughters here today. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so something Don said last week was that parables tend to be mysteries. I really appreciated that thought. We were asked which passage we wanted to preach on, and given a list. It was suggested that we choose something that maybe had an impact on our lives. So I chose this passage, as short as it may be. Um, I had to, because I didn't get it. I didn't understand it until maybe a few years ago, This entire parable made absolutely zero sense to me. Why would someone sell everything they have in order to acquire something? It just didn't make sense. And the reason it didn't make sense to me was because I assumed that whatever they found wasn't actually as valuable as it says in the text. To me, the pearl of extreme value, how could that possibly be worth more than all the other pearls that he had already collected How could one treasure in a field be worth more than everything else he had? That doesn't make sense to me. I didn't understand the value of what was found. Until a few years ago, it didn't occur to me that the value of the treasure or the pearl of great price was probably worth more than everything else that the merchant or the man sold to acquire it. They came out ahead, and I didn't understand that every time I read it. For some reason, it was a mystery to me. I had the values wrong in my head. And now, looking at this text, the text itself is a mystery. I titled this sermon, X, as in, X marks the spot on a treasure map. The text beckons us forward. It calls us to explore. We are going on an adventure. And the next slide, please. Uh, Who knows? Perhaps there will be a surprise twist on this adventure that makes our heads spin. I had to include this picture. Uh, It's from The Hobbit. Uh, My wife likes Lord of the Rings. I think The Hobbit is better. But we can agree that the entire series is generally good. (laughs) So again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Sounds like a treasure hunt. Which a man found and hid. That sounds like treasure. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. All right, so we have a treasure hunt. How do we find treasure? Pirates typically search for treasure. How do they find it? Typically they have maps. So what would make this, that would make this text our map. And that kind of makes sense. Parables are mysteries. You can have eyes but fail to see. I can see a map. Doesn't mean I understand how to read it. So most maps have a legend that describes some of the different markings on the map to make it a little easier to understand and read. So up on the screen here, I have a legend that I would suggest we have. We have the field, which I think should be considered as the world or our lives. We have the man, which I think we should consider to be us. And we have the treasure, which is Jesus or salvation. So the man was in the field, and comes upon a treasure of great value. So much value that he is willing to give up everything he has for this one treasure. That's the map. So using our legend, what is the map showing us? As we go about living our lives, we stumble upon Jesus. Maybe a friend told us about him, or we found a tract and read that. And once we heard about Jesus, we saw that his value is huge. Immense, incomprehensible. He took away our sins and provided us a pathway to heaven through him. Because of Jesus, we're able to spend eternity with our gracious and loving God. What should be our response to finding this treasure? Well, we see the man sold everything he had. Everything. So we also should get rid of everything that would hold us back from Jesus. Get rid of the things of the world. Get rid of our sins that hold us back. We need to get rid of it all. I don't need it. I don't want it. Just give me Jesus. Because Jesus is more valuable than anything else in our lives. Now it's important that we don't get the values mixed up like I used to. Uh, We can see what happens if we do. Take a look at Esau in Genesis chapter 25, verse 29. says, Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, Look, I am about to die, so what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, Swear to me, as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Esau put a very great value on a bowl of stew, so much so that he gave up his birthright, gave up his blessing that he should have received from Isaac. He lost that which was actually of greater value for something of lesser value. And he despised his birthright because of it. The bowl of stew was temporary. The satisfaction of a full belly would have worn off after a couple hours. And the only reason he remembered it afterwards was because of what it cost him to get it. However, his birthright had an impact on his whole life and the life of his descendants. Because he sold his birthright, Jacob received the blessing that was supposed to have been his. Esau ended up getting the blessing of having to serve his brother, while Jacob and his descendants received a blessing that would make them into a great nation. Let's make sure we have our values right, and recognize what is what is of greater and eternal value, and what is of lesser and temporal value. And let's not exchange the eternal for the temporary or the great for the lesser. So, giving up everything for Jesus, practically speaking, what does that look like? I think it's living in a way that is sacrificial. It's living in a way where everything else that we have and are, its value is of no comparison to the kingdom of God, this precious pearl, this valuable treasure. I think it's using what we have, what quite honestly we have been given by God in a way that helps us to get closer to holding on to this treasure, Jesus. Are we using what we have to get closer to Jesus, to be more like him, to see him known throughout the world? Whether that's our money, donating it to organizations and missionaries that spread the gospel or meet physical needs throughout the world and here at home. Or if it's our possessions, such as opening up your house with that spare room for a billet to stay in, or that cash-strapped missionary trying to raise support, or donating items that we don't need anymore, or even how we use our time, spending it volunteering for causes that are close to your heart. Are we recognizing the eternal value of Jesus and the temporary value of the here and now, and prioritizing using the here and now to get us closer to Jesus? Randy Alcorn uses this example when he is talking about giving in his books The Treasure Principle or Money, Possessions, and Eternity. I'm taking this one out of Money, Possessions, and Eternity because that's my preferred book. Uh, He says, Imagine you're alive at the end of the American Civil War. You're living in the South, but you're a Northerner. You plan to move home as soon as the war's over. While in the South, you've accumulated lots of Confederate currency. Now, suppose you know for a fact that the North's going to win the war and the end is imminent. What will you do with your Confederate currency? If you're smart, there's only one answer. You should immediately cash in your Confederate currency for U.S. currency, the only money that will have value once the war is over. Keep only enough Confederate currency to meet your short-term needs. To me, that kind of puts it into perspective. Are we using what we have now that we know will hold no value once we have moved past this life and using it to acquire something that will have immense value in just a little bit? It makes me think of Psalm 84, verse 10. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. The treasure that is Jesus and the salvation that comes through him is worth so much more than anything else that we have in our lives. There really is absolutely no comparison. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. We've really dug into this. But what if these verses actually have a completely different story than what we've just talked about? Let's take our map, and if we hold it up to the light, all of a sudden, it's like a whole different map. Let's look back at our legend. We have the field, which changes from being the world, or our lives, to just being the world. We have the man, which changes from being us to being the son of man, a common title used throughout the Gospels for Jesus. And we have the treasure, which changes from Jesus or salvation to us. Don said parables are mysteries, and here is a mystery indeed. Can a parable have two meanings? That's the fun of parables that weren't explicitly explained. They can exemplify multiple things simultaneously. Let's study this map now. The man, Jesus, is going through a field and finds an extremely valuable treasure, and upon discovering it, goes and sells everything to have this valuable treasure. From this view, we see Jesus searching through the world, and when he finds us, he determines that we are of great value, and he wants us. He is willing to give up everything to have us, and he does. He comes to earth as a man. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6-8, to eight, from the New Living Translation, says, Though he was God... He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus saw us as so valuable that he set aside his divine privileges as God and came to earth as a man. And lived here on earth. And while here, he was mocked. He was ridiculed. Threatened. Betrayed. Beaten and killed. For us. He considered us that valuable. He wanted us so badly that he did all of that. So that we could be with him. And look at what we did to deserve it. Yeah, no. We didn't, we didn't do anything to deserve it. He looked at us and considered us valuable. The treasure isn't able to create its own value. We aren't able to do anything to make ourselves valuable to Jesus. He chooses our value and when he sees us, he decided that we are valuable. We have worth, we are worth all of that sacrifice. So now, we have a map. We hold it in one light, and we see one image of ourselves going through our lives and finding Jesus, and a picture of being willing to give up everything else so that we can have Jesus. Let's call this the red image. And if we hold our map in a different light, we see a very slightly different image. This one is of Jesus searching through the world, and when he finds us, he gives up everything he has so that he can be with us. Let's call this the blue image. Do you remember old 3D glasses? Where one lens is red and the other is blue? If you were to cover your one eye, everything would look red. And if you covered the other eye, everything looked blue. But if you used both of your eyes and looked through both the red and the blue lens, you'd get a 3D image right in your face. When we look at this parable, At both of these images, I see an excellent example of how Jesus finds us and values us, and also how we should respond to Jesus once we have found him. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for you because he values you immensely, and not because of anything you've done to deserve it, but because you are you. But also, you need to respond to that love and recognize that everything we have is nothing if we don't have Jesus. His sacrifice can't make you choose him and value him. Only you can do that. We're about to partake in communion. I think communion is an excellent representation of these two images combined together into one absolutely beautiful picture. We have the bread of communion, which represents the body of Christ broken for us. And we have the drink of communion, which represents the blood that Jesus shed. Combined, they represent the new covenant that Jesus ushered in and we are invited to be participants in that new covenant and experience the forgiveness of our sins and eternal communion with God in heaven. Communion is to give us an opportunity to reflect on the sacrifice that Jesus made for us because he loves us. He gave up his divine rights to come to earth as a man, lived a perfect life, and was crucified on a cross, a truly horrible method of execution, which not only brought lots of pain, but lots of shame as well. Because he was perfect and fully God, his death washed away our sins so that we could commune with God directly. And Jesus rose again afterwards, proving his divinity and proving also that his sacrifice is capable of actually taking away our sins. The blue image. And then communion also gives us the opportunity to respond. In the cup and the bread, we see the treasure of Jesus and the opportunity of salvation. So as we partake in communion, if you have found that treasure and are willing to give up the things of this world for it, we acknowledge the potential cost of a relationship with Christ and in a way, we commit to continuing to bear that cross and give up ourselves in order to become more like Jesus, to see his will accomplished and to spend eternity with him. The red image. So as we approach the communion table today, I encourage you to reflect on what Jesus has done for you in his death and resurrection to pave a way for you to have a relationship with him. And I encourage you to consider how you will respond to his invitation. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 26 to 28, it's a section called the Last Supper. But it's also kind of like the First Communion as we know it today. And it says, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant which is said for many for the remission or forgiveness of sins. Dear Jesus, I just thank you for the sacrifice that you made. I thank you for, for when you found us as humans, that you valued us, that you were willing to to come to earth and give up your divinity, like your divine privileges. You were willing to to live here with us and experience all of the trouble um, that sin has caused in this world. And you lived it perfectly. And then you were willing to die on a cross in a very shameful and painful way so that we can have that relationship with you uh, for all eternity. Jesus, I just thank you for that. And Jesus, I pray that as we see that sacrifice that you've made for us, I pray that we'd respond in a way that, where we value the things of the world so little in comparison to you. Jesus, I just pray as we approach communion here that we would, everyone here, myself included, would take time to to reflect on what you've done for us and reflect on how we might be able to respond to you, how we might be able to respond to your love Um, in a way that is pleasing to you, in a way that furthers your kingdom, in a way that shows how much we love you because of how much you loved us. I pray these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen.